Hello, welcome to this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur with me in the UK, Jim James. Today, we're going all the way to Toronto, Canada, and we're going to talk about out-of-home advertising. And you'll be surprised to hear just how affordable outdoor advertising is. I'd always thought it's a preserve only of big brands, but Amanda Dorenberg is going to tell us otherwise. She is the president and CEO of a group in Canada in charge of the out-of-home market. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. One, you've been an amazing entrepreneur in advertising and tech, and now you're leading up an organization that is helping those people in the outdoor advertising market to share the message and to get the message to consumers who, especially since privacy laws, are not necessarily getting the ads on their <clears> phones, but are going to get them when they go out on the street. So tell us, Amanda, about Comb and about outdoor advertising and the opportunity that it represents for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So Comb is an acronym. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. It stands for the Canadian Out-of-Home Marketing and Measurement Bureau. And uh, we are a not-for-profit association that is a member-based association uh, comprised of the largest and, and smallest independent uh, media owners all across Canada. So we represent about 98% of all publishers, which would be the media owners, uh, as well as um, a second category would be advertisers and brand direct. So the largest um, out of home or media planning and buying agencies in general, such as WPP, IPG Media Brands and their subsidiaries are members of Comb. And then a third uh, group would be the tech stack. So those working in the uh, innovation and, and automation of advertising delivery, such as Broadstack, Hackstack, Vistar on a global scale. <clears throat> um, and out-of-home advertising is basically anything outside of your home. So <laughs> it could be the roadside billboards that you see. It could be Times Square, Young Dundas Square here in Canada. Uh, the transit shelters, the bus wraps, the taxi tops, uh, interior of a restaurant having advertisements uh, above, the, you know, behind the bar on the wall or in the restrooms, uh, cinema, pre-roll advertisements before you go to the to, to watch the show, the, the main screen events. Uh, so it, it is relatively broad scale from a definition perspective, and we tend to classify um, two different larger categories of outdoor and then place-based, which would represent indoor. Um, Amanda, so really, it's, as you say, everything outside the home, now you catalog the, like the <laughs> inventory. It's yeah. massive, isn't it? Um, let's talk about the opportunity that represents, you know, and then later on we talk about how you're building Comb, which is an established organization, but you're transforming it. And we're going to learn about how you can use your entrepreneurial skills to build a membership organization. We're later on going to talk about maybe one mistake that you might have made on the way uh, before you share your top <laughs> tip. But, in there, but <laughs> Well, we're all allowed a couple, um, but I'll only ask you for one. I'll only ask for one. But Amanda, there are so many, if you like, placement opportunities for um, the business owner. But first of all, let's let's just address what for me is the elephant in the room, which is that the you know outdoor signage is the preserve of big brands. Can you just take us through? Is it really only for large companies with large budgets, or can somebody who maybe has a a restaurant or a sports store in a in a location compete by using local and local outdoor? I love this question because people associate 
billboards and out of home specifically with, as you, you just did with large brands and, you know, coming from the creative side, if, if you're an artist or a model or, you know, anybody in that space, which was a former life of mine, you aspire to be on a billboard because you think you've made it when you're on a billboard as, as a creative. Uh, but it is not the case. Um, for example, in the U.S., uh, 80% of the revenues driving the out-of-home advertising spends come from local regional businesses, uh, and only 20% are from the large national or multinational brand. In Canada, just from a geographical disbursement perspective, there are three major core uh, advertising cities, Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. And then we have, you know, some tertiary, Calgary, Edmonton, et cetera. <laughs> but we're 80% national and, and about 20% local regional. Uh, one of the interesting facts on a global scale is that out of home is actually the most uh, inexpensive media format to purchase from a cost, uh, a CPM cost per thousand impression. So if you're looking to reach sort of broad spectrum or if you're looking to from a, a you know, a mom and pop, like a deli or a bakery that's that's, you know, around the corner, my favorite bakery, uh, <clears throat> they leverage, you know, very proximity based strategies where they're looking at out of home assets that are within a specific uh, you know, a hundred meters from their, their, uh, physical store. So you can take different strategies, um, but it is on, if you compare it to all other media formats, it's one of the most inexpensive on a CPM basis. That is really, really surprising. So how, you know, does it work? Because if you buy, for example, Facebook ads, you can target, you know, a bit of, you know, piece of creative to a demographic and a location, how can, let's say, the small business owner do that with outdoor where you might need to do a big 48 sheet, you know, like big, big signage, there's production, there's the, the putting the signs on the, on the, how does it work from a, from a practical point of view? So with the whole production uh, context, that's more for what we, we would classify as, as um, classic or traditional inventory. So it's a static billboard that's outside or it's a static transit shelter. Um, <clears throat> but there's a huge influx in digital out of home on a global scale. It's one of the largest growing and most heavily invested from a VC perspective um, and an entrepreneur perspective in, in growth. Uh, a lot of the media owners are, are transitioning significant dollars into um, repurposing some of the traditional inventory into digital. So digital takes in more of the technology application. So we can actually uh, imitate the same type of targeting um, aspects that you have with a meta uh, or, or other um, native online um, advertising capacities in the offline space. So for example, in, in Canada, we ingest over 8 million road segments of data, which includes speed, direction, vehicular volume on an hourly basis. And then we understand the pattern of movement within a uh, an out-of-home asset or a place-based venue, which would be the actual physical location. Uh, and we can observe uh, mobile data and, and, and uh, information to a home origin, run that through uh, companies like Statistics Canada and understand the demographic lifestyle psychographic. So we have the, the capacity to do the exact same sort of targeting components in the offline space as we do in the online space. It's just executed in a different way. Wow, that's fascinating. And just to be clear, when it's a digital signage, you mean screens that have content delivered to them, you know, I, I guess via the internet or via 4 or 5G, is, is that right? That's correct, yes. Okay, it's, right. It's basically a large computer, whether it be on the side of the road or in, in a restaurant or bar or something. 
Okay, wonderful. Yeah, in China, there used to be a business that was putting uh, adverts into elevators yes. and uh, putting yes. CDs into the elevators every day to replace the advertising. So, so it yes. really has become real time, and as you say, data driven. Um, and why would someone, uh, an entrepreneur, use outdoor when? Everybody's really making their purchasing decisions at home and on their mobile phone. Just just take us through the customer journey, if you like, that would validate or invalidate outdoor. We'll be back after a quick break. Would you like to double your salary without starting another business? The easy way to do this is to join the board of another company. You get well paid for a part-time role. You get all the credibility that comes with being a board member. Plus, you get to hang out with some very cool people and learn how other businesses are dealing with their problems. If you'd like to know more, if you'd like to learn how you get your first board seat within 60 days, just click on the link below as uh, Unnoticed is a gold sponsor of our summit. So you get free tickets. Enjoy. I'll see you there. I, I love this question as well. Um, the customer journey depends on the demographic of the customer because each <clears throat> each demographic is different. So if we look at Gen Zs, for example, which is a $390 billion U.S. disposable income, um, one of the biggest statistics around Gen Zs is that whilst they live their lives in the digital world, they're in the metaverse, they're, they're working in blockchain, they're you know on social media constantly, they live in the TikTok world, um, <clears throat> they actually don't trust online advertising. Um, and statistically, and, and there's there's a great deal of research out there. I'm happy to share after this this podcast, but um, great deal of research that shows that they prefer traditional media uh, as a trusted source for advertising. Uh, there's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of clickbait, and they live their lives in this space, so they're they're aware of it. They're they're hyper aware of it. So they've actually gravitated to more traditional media formats as a as a form of trust. Um, <clears throat> when we look at millennials, they're, they're sort of a blend of, of the Gen X and Gen Z where, you know, half of them will, will live their lives in the digital space and, and certainly trust to a certain degree online advertisements. But again, statistically, a great deal of them would, would trust more traditional advertisements. One of the other things with, you know, the, the privacy legislation and, and cookie-less world that we're embarking upon is the the inherited trust factor of a medium that's been around for so long, you can't turn it off. You can't, you know, you can't clickbait it. It's there. Yeah. And the perception as, as we've just discovered is that if you're on a billboard, you must have budget to be on a billboard. <laughs> yes. There's an inherent credibility, isn't there to the it's, scale? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is fascinating, Amanda. Um, and as you say, in the era of sort of cookie-less uh, on phones and on, on meta, that getting people where they're about to buy or en route to buying or taking part in some activity is really, really very, very handy indeed. Um, One of the interesting things with that from a customer journey perspective, given the onset of new technology and innovation and data that's that's being leveraged in, in the out-of-home space, is you can be delivered an advertisement that is contextually relevant to you in a digital out-of-home space. And then the attribution of that, which follows you could then you walk into, let's say you were delivered a Starbucks advertisement. You go into um, 
a small mom and pop coffee shop and Starbucks can then competitively conquest and serve you up advertisements on social. So there's an omni-channel component that comes to this as well, because technology has allowed us to do that with the inherent ingestion of various different data sets. Well, and and when you say ingestion, that's a technical term for just taking all the data and putting it into the system, isn't it? Putting it into the pool of If I can use my (laughs) layman's terms there. Um, Well, so should people be worried about data privacy then if if what you're saying is you've got all this data or is it sort of generic data and not individual specific? How do you reassure people that they're not being tracked? It's not a one-to-one media format to begin with. It's a one-to-many media format and uh, the data that's being ingested is fully privacy compliant. So we've got a great deal of legislation globally, you know, with GDPR and California with CCPA, California Consumer Privacy Act. And the Canadian space, we've got various different uh, federal and provincial legislations, Bill C-11, and and I could go on for hours about the the privacy compliance that we have to jump through. Okay. But it's it's all anonymized aggregate information. So I don't know that the board. I just know that device one, two, three passed this screen and maybe went to a Starbucks. I see. And and that is very reassuring because, you know, you'd be worried, wouldn't you, if you keep getting uh, things that are tracking you. Yes. Amanda Dorenberg, as the you know, president and CEO of Coombe, you've actually had an amazing career as an entrepreneur. Um, and unfortunately, the, you know, we don't have enough time to cover your entire background of starting businesses. But let's just talk about Coombe and how you're building a nonprofit trade organization using your entrepreneurial approach, because that's really, really interesting as well. It is. Um, as you mentioned before, this this is an association that's been around for probably 50 plus years. And um, when I joined, the board of directors was looking for a different approach. Um, and anecdotally, I think I turned down the job for about six months before they convinced me that they're really looking for an entrepreneur <laughs> to come and, and revamp this. So we, you know, when I joined, there was six employees, including myself, and we're now up to approximately 24 full-time employees plus I couldn't even count the contractors that we have um, and partners. <clears throat> so we are uh, very much a full sort of agency type of, of um, environment where we, <clears throat> we move in a very agile way. Um, every, everyone that I've, I've brought on to the team is very curious, which I think is something that inherently comes with uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, most, most entrepreneurs are, are quite curious. And uh, for example, during the pandemic um, in, in 2020, between 2020 and 2021, we grew our revenues by 41%, uh, which is unheard of um, during a, you know, a, a down market, if you will. Uh, so very much taking an entrepreneurial approach in the sense of how we work together, the community that we build within the, the team environment, um, as well as how we're approaching the, um, you know, we, we have limited resources from a budget perspective, mm. not for profit. Uh, so we have to be creative with how we're allocating those funds and, and how we use that. And frankly, you really need to be an entrepreneur to, to get a lot done on a shoestring budget sometimes. Yeah. So, so Amanda, tell us some of the things you're doing. I can see uh, from the website and those people that look at the video on YouTube will be able to see that. For those people that are you know interested, we will, of course, post the URL and so on after it's a bit C-O-M-M-B.ca is the website. Amanda Dorenberg, you know, what are you doing in terms of membership outreach? Because I can see you've got a lot of activities. Take us through some of the activities that you're 
bringing yeah. into the market that are moving things forward? We take a very creative approach when it comes to, to marketing and growth marketing specifically. Uh, so <clears throat> in my experience, I've found that thought leadership and content are king. Uh, so the more content we have, the more eyes we get on that content. Uh, public relations and, and strong PR connections is a big thing. So when we came, when I came in, um, <clears throat> first one of the first hires I did was a, a VP of marketing and communications uh, to really amp up and, and face uh, focus more on the, the outwardly facing PR, not the internal member relations. And then we expanded into the internal member relations with the existing members, and additionally hired a resource to focus on garnering new members. So basically, a sales role um, <clears throat> from a uh, growth marketing perspective, the content pieces that we put out are predominantly public, but we, we do focus on some member specific content just to ensure that, you know, there's a, a rationale for why we're paying a membership fee. Uh, but the public content that we do is on a global scale. Uh, we don't just focus solely in our market because at the end of the day, the, the ones who are controlling the budgets are the CMOs, the VPs of these big brands, right? So I can't just focus on the out-of-home community whilst it's a, it's a key focus. We actually have to go broader than that and look on a larger spectrum. So we focus on media and advertising as a whole, and we've, garn we've uh, formed strategic partnerships with, with multinational publications that we write for. Uh, but then we curate our own events, our own content. We launched a, a, an awards gala uh, last year which was really great. Um, and we got a lot of international exposure. And, and um, I think, you know, content is, has been really key and being, being very strategic about the content placements, how we're approaching that. And when you say content placement, what, what do you mean, Amanda? I mean, the partners that we're working with from content. Uh, so <clears throat> we have multiple levels, right? We've got the industry dailies, which would be, you know, a media in Canada or a daily do that focus very specifically on what's happening in this sort of geographical region. And then we've got strategic content partnerships with other associations, Canadian Marketing Association, whose members are all of the big brands or Patel, who are all of the, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs and, and CMOs. And then we have multinational content partnerships with respect to, um, you know, the Forbes and Fast Company and Entrepreneur, et cetera. Yeah, well, and now I can see why the board was so keen to get you on, Amanda. Amanda, <laughs> textbook case, but is there one uh, little skeleton in the closet you could share about something that maybe from a marketing point of view, obviously has not gone quite as planned a, a, a strategy or a, a, that you wouldn't recommend trying again? A timing of product launches, I would say, is key. So <clears throat> we are a measurement body. So we provide the currency in the sense of impressions and, and the analytics. Uh, so timing of, of launching a product, uh, as well as socializing that uh, with those that you're you're about to launch and, and affect potentially their business. Um, maybe probably one of the things I didn't do as much as I should have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're being quite, being a little bit circumspect with that one, but timing, yeah, we'll put that bit. under the category of timing. Timing's um, everything. <laughs> timing's everything. Um, but what about something that does work? Cause we, as we move to the end of the interview, Amanda Dorenberg, you know, as the you know, CEO and president of the, of Coombe, the Canadian Outdoor Marketing uh, Board, a measurement board. What would you say would be a tip, a piece of advice that you'd give my fellow unnoticed entrepreneurs when it comes to moving the needle? Find a way to create a personal brand and be consistent with it. 
Uh, and it doesn't take money to do that. It's just formulate who you are as an entrepreneur and what makes you different and unique and uh, leverage that story in and, and that history that you have. The reason why you are an entrepreneur is because you're curious and you're excited about building something. Um, so share that excitement whenever you can in, in all areas, whether it be on social, whether it be at a networking event, um, just create your personal brand and don't be afraid to get out there and, and share it with the world. And then that's a great piece of advice. I am going to ask you though, how do you manage a little bit of an additional question? How do you manage having a personal brand alongside the brand of the business that you're running? Because some would argue that you work for a company that is the brand you should promote. How do you reconcile having two brands running side by side? It's a great question. Um, so for context, I'm also the CEO of Billboard Canada, which is the music magazine. Um, and I think that if you build your personal brand to a point where you're getting a, enough attention, the, the company brands will come seeking you because they actually are looking for that personal brand to help amplify the company brand. Um, and <clears throat> the innovation will continue to drive if you, if you, if you take that path, in my opinion. Yeah, very interesting. So you can have separate but equal, and actually your personality and your lifestyle as an entrepreneur continues whilst you're still enabling Coom to thrive. Yeah. Amanda, plainly, you're extremely knowledgeable, but we all look for knowledge in, in books and podcasts as well. Is there one that you'd like to share with us that you'd recommend? One of my favorite books recently was uh, by Jason Pfeiffer, who is the uh, CEO of Entrepreneur Magazine, and he wrote a book called Build for Tomorrow. Um, I liked it so much that I actually put this in gift bags to 400 guests at one of my <laughs> events at home. Okay. Um, it's a great, great read. I would highly recommend it. Okay, that's um, Jason Pfeiffer. That's F-E-I-F-E-R, by the way. Yeah. And uh, so I put a link to that in the show notes. Amanda Dorenberg, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you and to connect to you, how do they do that? Any social platform uh, at Amanda Dornberg. I was lucky enough to get my first and last name on all of these platforms. Um, so feel free to just search me or, or Google me and you can find a way to reach out. That's wonderful. Or you can also go to Coom, which is C-O-M-M-B dot C-A. And that will also get you to the organization and to Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing and really educating me on an area that we haven't covered before on the show. So I was really delighted to be able to lure you onto the show to explain all about outdoor and about building an organization. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, inspirational and also just um, reassuring that as we move from a, an era of sort of being tracked and having lots of cookies on our mobile and our desktops, that if we're doing marketing, we can have location-specific marketing through still privately held data, um, anonymous data, I should say, but they can still set up the ads that people need to see because ultimately these are ads delivering goods and services that people will need because that's why they're in that location. So brilliant. Out of home is an opportunity that we should all explore. So get hold of your local agency. And I think, as Amanda said, it's cheaper than buying Metads. So that's got to be good news too. So thanks very much for joining me, Jim James, for this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur. If you've enjoyed it, do please review it on your player because it all helps. And follow the show because I don't want to miss another great episode of another great interview with 
an expert like Amanda Dorenbeck. Thank you so much. Until we meet again, encourage you just keep on communicating.